And welcome to the Urantia Revelation inside the Urantia book. I'm Jim Watkins. It's good to be here. We're trying something a little bit different this time. We're going to actually allow you to look at my face while I share with you a section of the Urantia book, which I think is very interesting. And in this particular episode, we're going to talk about something called an agendanter. What is an agendanter? Let's get some context. Let's look at the Urantia book and see what it has to say about agendanters. And I want to bring to you paper 50, section 6, where it talks about the planetary culture uh, and different planetary culture types. And ours is certainly one type. The isolation of Urantia renders it impossible to undertake the presentation of many details of the life and environment of your Satanian neighbors. So, first of all, Centania is the name, and there is no relationship to Satan in this other than the fact that our system is very old and it predates the rebellion. But we're stuck with the name, and perhaps the revelators wanted us to have that name to remind people that we were from a system that was at one point under rebellion. That's my thinking. But in this particular case, what they're saying is, because of the rebellion, uh, we have been isolated from the rest of the community at large. And what that means is we don't get the benefits of angelic visitors. We don't get the benefits of open communication and being able to hear what our brothers and sisters might be doing on other planets and other parts of the system. And this is all uh, stuff that would normally be uh, happening to us. We would have access. We would know about the most highs in a much more profound way. We would be getting updates on universal broadcasts. We would actually have access to information telling us what was happening in our area of creation. We don't have any of that. We're isolated. We're done. So what they're saying is because of these conditions, we're very isolated and very much unique. In these presentations, we're limited by the planetary quarantine and by the system isolation. We must be guided by these restrictions in all of our efforts and uh, to enlighten your mortals. But insofar as permissible, you have been instructed in the progress of an average evolutionary world, and you are able to compare such a world's career with the present state of Urantia. So, for example, on the papers dealing with our society and culture and the different planetary epochs and ages, we're given a portrayal of what is or what would be considered normal operation procedure in our universe. And in the Arantia book, The Revelation, we're being told for the first time that such an enterprise actually does exist and we are part of it. Continuing on, the development of Urantia or of civilization on Urantia has not so differed greatly from that of other worlds which have sustained the misfortune of spiritual isolation. But when compared with the loyal worlds of the, of the universe, your planet seems most confused and greatly retarded in all phases of intellectual progress and spiritual attainment. So that's a pretty profound statement. They're saying that on most worlds it's not this tough. It's tough, but it's not this tough. Because of your planetary misfortunes, your ancients are prevented from understanding very much about the culture of normal worlds. But you should not envisage such evolutionary worlds, even the most ideal, as spheres whereon life is flowery, a flowery bed of ease. 
the initial life of the mortal races is always attended by struggle. Effort and decisions are an essential part of the acquirement of survival values. So let's move on a little bit further here and get to the part where it talks about the rewards of isolation. This is very important. It reads, on first thought, it might appear that Urantia and its associated isolated worlds are most unfortunate in being deprived of the beneficent presence and influence of such superhuman personalities as a planetary prince and a material son and daughter, an Adam and Eve. But isolation of these spheres affords their races. What they're saying in that first sentence, by the way, is that we don't have the presence of an Adam and Eve to guide us in the present age. If they had not had defaulted, they would still be here with us and they would have a progeny of several million sons and daughters who would act as our teachers and mentors. But we don't have that. And we've been deprived of that for over 35,000 years. Also pause to consider that we don't have a planetary prince. Dalmatia was overthrown when our prince went into rebellion with Lucifer 200,000 years ago. So we've been deprived of that nucleus of a culture which would have tempered what was then savage human beings and taught them much more. I mean, the, you know, we learned plumbing, we learned agriculture, we learned family values from the influences of Adam and Eve. But think of how much farther we would be along if they had not rebelled and they had stayed the course with the universal plan. We as a culture, as a civilization, would probably be much more advanced than we are today. On Jerusalem, the ascenders from these isolated worlds. Well, let me skip back here. But isolation of these spheres affords their races a unique opportunity for the exercise of faith and for the development of a peculiar quality of confidence and cosmic reliability, which is not dependent on sight or any other material consideration. And what they're saying there is that when you have a race of human beings who can believe in God without seeing evidence of God, that creates a certain kind of quality of confidence of cosmic reliability. It may turn out eventually that mortal creatures hailing from the world's quarantined and consequence of rebellion are extremely fortunate. We have discovered that such ascenders are very early entrusted with numerous special assignments to cosmic undertakings where unquestioned faith and sublime confidence are essential to achievement. Hmm. Very interesting. Now on Jerusalem, which is where our next permanent station will be after we go through the educational process of the mansion worlds, Jerusalem, the ascenders there from these isolated worlds like ours, occupy a residential sector by themselves, and they are known as agondanters. Agondanters, there's that word. Meaning evolutionary will creatures who can believe without seeing, persevere when isolated, and triumph over insuperable difficulties even when alone. You know, if you imagine in the Dalamatia 100, if any of those 50 males and females that were part of the Nodites, if any of them had come from an isolated world, would they have been more able to withstand the temptation of Caligastia? 
I wonder sometimes if Nod, uh, or not Nod, but Van had come from such an isolated world. And we'll get to that in another, uh, another presentation. It says that this functioning grouping of the Ag and Dantras persists throughout the ascension of the local universe and the traversal of the super universe. So it's a characteristic uh, trait that stays with us for eons of time. Uh, this functioning grouping persists, but it disappears, interestingly, when we are in the Havona state of existence. Isn't that interesting? But it reappears. It reappears upon the attainment of paradise during the sojourn and eventually to the point of where we are mustered into the core of the finality. Tabamancha, by the way, is an agadanter. He's our regent inspector, I believe. He's pretty high up on the spiritual food chain. He's an agadanter. Why? Because he came from a world which was part of the first rebellion in the local universe under Michael's domain. Michael has had three rebellions in his universe, ours being the last. All through the Paradise career, reward follows effort as the result of causes. Such rewards set off the individual from the average, provides a differential of creature experience, and contribute to the versatility of ultimate performance in the collective body of the finaliters. I would like to call them the special forces unit. That would be my word, special forces. Let's send those guys out. And so that's a pretty cool trip, isn't it? And now we know what an Angadontra is and why it's so important and how sometimes truly being the last actually makes you first, doesn't it? That's a lesson from our master. Thanks for stopping by. Don't forget, you can always get a hold of us online uh, through our Urantia book website, urantiaradio.net. And we hope to bring you more of these instructional episodes in the weeks and months to come. Thanks again for stopping by. <laughs>